Welcome to the Nerd Degree. Here's your host, Brendan Bennett. Thank you and welcome to the Nerd Degree. Tonight, two teams of nerds will go head to head over a series of rounds to try and prove who are the wittiest nerds and the nerdiest wits. My name is Brendan Bennett, and uh, if you have listened to previous episodes, you'll know that I find cooking to be a hateful task and that uh, eating food mostly pain and drudgery. So I think I'm the perfect person to host this episode entirely on the theme of cooking. Uh, so we are going to meet our two teams of nerds. I'd like you to introduce yourselves and um, perhaps you could share some kind of um, cooking or food related experience that you've had. Uh, I, be I bet you've all eaten something at some point. <laughs> Um, yes. <laughs> Fuel. Okay, let's go. Uh, good, hello, my name is Dan Bain. Uh, tonight I am filling in for Ben Allen, uh, and I found that out an hour ago, which is why my anecdotes this evening won't have the usual veneer of polish that they generally tend to have. Lies! Uh, <laughs> 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 simply... Uh, it's going to be more of a, um, a, a revelation of the man behind the mystique. Um, <laughs> I, I have indeed eaten things in my life. Um, are, you a, are you playing for time already? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all have our skill set, right? That's what you, you want me to do now? And now I tell my food? Please tell, you, tell your so food. So I'm, uh, I'm a little I'm known uh, in my circles as a, per, uh, a person with kind of both a fondness and a skill for uh, the wing, the chicken wing. That's kind of um, uh, the, pretty much the only thing I can cook with any real flair. Um, but a fun time when I was in China, uh, you, you know how you get the little, you get the, so you get the, you get the drumlet, right, on the wing. You get the drumlet, which is the, the bit before the joint that attaches to the body, but you also get the, the wing piece itself, which is the little double bone section. So they've broken those <laughs> things. And, and they were they were on kebabs. So they were like on kebab sticks on two skewers through the, the points where the two bones are. And they'd been kind of cooked on a charcoal grill and they were real they were real yum. And so I was like I was like, wings, wings, wings. And I was like, and give me those ones as well. And the other, which looked mysterious. And the other ones were frogs. Um, <laughs> and that was, that was, this, yeah. The, um, so that was a thing. And they had cumin on them. Oh. <laughs> was it nice? They, yeah, they were pretty much, uh, other than different bone structure, they were effectively the same as the chicken wings. <laughs> <laughs> All um, right. And that is my story. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. I'm Laura Borrowdale, um, and I don't have quite an exciting story. In fact, uh, I'm not a f I like eating food, but I'm not very good at making it. And in fact, in university, I had to ring my mother to ask her how to boil an egg, <laughs> which <laughs> she found really funny. And then I promptly um, burnt the saucepan by letting all the water burn off. Um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm cooking is not my forte. Okay, um, but. You're, you're on the show anyway. Yeah, well, I've watched enough Top Chef now that I think I've made up for those previous mistakes. Yeah. yeah. Can you boil an egg now? I can poach an egg now. Wow. That's more I know. quite a skill. Mm. Still wasn't the question, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard with poached eggs because you can't, about boiled eggs, you can't see inside to see what's happening. How does anyone <laughs> know the right egg of time? That is really true. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
It's a mystery, isn't it? What's going on <laughs> in there? No, but it is. Until you open it, how do you know if it's soft or hard? Boiled. Egg. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real, it's a real Schrodinger's egg situation, isn't it? Um, so together you have formed a team. That's right. Uh, we <laughs> we are uh, we have um, built the city on sausage rolls. <laughs> we built the city on sausage Yay! rolls. <laughs> Thank you very much. And on the other side we have. Uh, hi, I'm Emma Cunston. Um, I do actually like cooking, and um, my interesting story is also um, offshore. When I lived in Canada, I figured out um, late in the piece, in the middle of um, like preparing to make a pavlova, that um, Canadians don't tend to have egg beaters because they don't make pavlova. So they <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I was at my boyfriend's house, so I found a uh, just like a hand whisk. And I was like, yeah, this will be fine. And so started it. And, um, you know... Time went by, and then I got very tired, and then I found a bottle of gin. And so I just started swigging the gin every time um, I would get exhausted. And so when my partner arrived home, I had drunk the whole bottle of gin. <laughs> and the pav had made it in the oven, but I didn't remember putting it in there. Um, so that was my interesting experience. For those listening at home, Emma has one forearm the size of Popeye's. <laughs> Hi, my name is Erin Harrington and I love cooking and I cook heaps and for my 30th birthday I made a turducken for 70 people. <laughs> um, actually it wasn't a turducken, it was a turchikuk because, uh, because in Christchurch, at least in New Zealand, the, the ducks that we can buy because you, you put a, you're meant to put a, um, a chicken within a duck within a turkey and then have different layers of different types of stuffings in between. Um, but our chickens tend to be bigger than the ducks that we can buy, so it was a turchikuk. And then, and then I became a vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like after you've, you've clocked meat, there's, there's nothing to do but put your name on the high scoreboard and yeah. retire. I just, I just walked away. Yeah, yeah, it was good. You won meat the game. I did, yeah. yeah. And uh, you've formed a team, and what? your team is? Our team is Glazed. And confused. Glazed and confused, everyone! <laughs> All right, I am, uh, of course, joined by our moderator, Karen Healy. Karen, how's it going? Pretty good. Oh, God, I saw Infinity War. I'm still recovering. <sighs> okay, continue. Okay, uh, so uh, Karen uh, researched uh, all of the data that we're going to be using today, so she will be keeping track of the scores. She's your sous chef. I oh, am. I'm the cute. sous chef. Um, yes, and uh, you'll be distributing points uh, as arbitrarily as you see fit. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's time for us to move into our first round. The first round is the nerd quotient round. I will be testing the nerd's knowledge of all things cooking related. Points will be given for correct answers, interesting related facts, and successful bluffing. So teams, could you please roll for initiative? Okay, okay. Do it, do it, do it. 19. Eleven. Oh. <laughs> All right, sausage rolls, you go first. Uh, so I'm going to list three meals, and I want you to tell me what they have in common. One, uh, so this is a, a, the meal is made up of 12 fried shrimp, bucket of original recipe KFC, French fries, a pound of strawberries. Uh, meal number two is lobster tail, steak, apple pie, and vanilla ice cream. And meal number three is a single olive with the pit still in. 
last meals on death row. That is absolutely correct, oh, yes. Sorry. It's also a really, really sad photo essay where a woman has taken images, recreated and taken images of last meal requests on death row and it is, you get down to that last olive and it's brutal. It's, yeah, it's yeah, the, uh, the photo series is No Seconds by uh, Henry Hargreaves. Oh, and, not a woman. Uh, I mean. Yes, it's a, it's a series of depressing meals that people have had. Can anyone tell me any other additional facts about last meals? Is yeah. it that they're not really a thing? Yeah, it's certainly, there's no, <laughs> you're right that there's no, uh, I don't think there's anywhere where you can just ask for anything and they have to serve it to you. In fact, um, there are usually uh, specific budgets. For example, in Florida, the last meal has to cost less than $40 and must be able to be prepared locally. In Oklahoma, it has to be less than $15. Then you um, get olives. That's not even (laughs) going to get you like a supersized combo from most places. Yeah, that's right. Um, In historical France, the condemned were allowed a drink of rum, uh, but no special food. Usually because they were getting executed within like 10 minutes. So it's like, here's your rum, here's the guillotine. Is it because in France they usually like to take their time over a meal? <laughs> um, they don't even give you coke as a mixer. No, just rum. <laughs> but of course it could be worse because in what Christ's Last Supper didn't he become the meals and that the whole like no, they yeah. were wow. blood and body of Christ. Like, yeah. a, it could be worse. Wait, are you, so purpose, though. are you proposing that we then eat the uh, people who are executed? No, no, I'm just saying it could be worse. I mean, <laughs> you could, it could be your method oh, of execution. Had it, Christ had it tough. Didn't he? <laughs> Um, yeah, Texas uh, completely abandoned the tradition of the last meal after one condemned man ordered a large meal of uh, a plate of two chicken fried steaks, gravy and sliced onions, a triple bacon patty cheeseburger, a cheese omelette gra- with ground beef, tomatoes, onions, bell peppers, jalapenos, a bowl of fried okra with ketchup, uh, a pound of barbecued meat with half a loaf of white bread, a portion of three fajitas, a meat lover's pizza, <laughs> uh, a pint of bluebell ice cream, a slab of peanut butter fudge, and three root beers. That's like proper Mr. Creosote shit. Mm. If you're eating all that food and then you're going to be electrocuted to death. Are they, <laughs> they worried about people exploding and lining the walls. And is there some kind of like time where they're allowed to eat? Like, do they get like an hour on the clock? Because that sounds like a week's worth of food. Well, that's like that, that old ad for, uh, was it Pixie Caramel? Yeah, they ate so- the car. And ate the car? <laughs> no, it was KFC. That was KFC. KFC, they the yeah, they were really hungry and they ate the car. It was made out of... Yeah. Yeah, because you could ask with your meal if, if you were able to just eat the whole thing and slowly eke it out like Zeno's arrow. Yeah. Kind of slowly... Eat, eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slowly so you're saying, for my last meal, I would like a car <laughs> and I'm going to stay here until I finish it. Yeah. Uh, well, in this case, um, the, the guy who ordered that then didn't eat any of it. Um, and oh. so... <laughs> <laughs> did, 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 he, did he just like take one finger and go eh, and push it back towards <laughs> yeah. um, What a I dick, think... and that's why they executed him yeah. the next day, Emma. For wastage of food. Yeah, um, it wasn't all those murders. <laughs> all right, the, the next one is for glazed and confused. Uh, now, diners can pay exorbitant prices for restaurant meals sometimes, mm. um, but uh, I want to know. I've got a list here of the 10 most expensive ingredients or foods in the world mm-hmm. uh, measured by the pound. Um, so I'll give you a point if you can name any objects or items from this list. Like saffron, ambergris? Okay, saffron is number four on the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, so each saffron uh, flower produces only three threads and have to be picked by hand. So it's $3,000 a pound. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
Uh, anything else? Uh, you can chime in on this sausage rolls if you'd like. about like anything truffle related on Yeah, there? truffles. Black truffle, $900 a pound. <laughs> Is there any like fancy vanilla <clears throat> type thing? Oh, and, oh, sorry, and white truffles are also on the list for, Ooh, for up to $5,000 a pound. Very good. How about grapefruit um, uh, fruit juice? Grapefruit fruit juice. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you have to invent a time machine. <laughs> so that's very expensive. Dan? Uh, like a, a, a caviar? Yeah, something. number one, Beluga. Almos caviar, oh. which is $20,000 a pound. Uh, traditionally sold in a 24-karat gold box. Uh, it's, wow. it's produced from the eggs of a rare albino sturgeon that must be between 60 and 100 years old uh, and which swims in the southern Caspian Sea where there is apparently less pollution. There was, my, my dad had um, a bunch of those, you know, LPs that were like party records where they were like bawdy songs mm. and all this other kind of stuff. And one of the songs was, caviar comes from the virgin sturgeon, the virgin sturgeon is a very fine dish. The virgin sturgeon needs no urgent, that's why caviar is my dish. <laughs> Wow. That's beautiful. Oh, nice. You're welcome. I thought you'd love that. It's good, eh? Real highbrow. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, you get a point for that. Uh, anything else on Can the I list? I suggest anything else that comes in a 24 karat gold box. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I will give I you feel that. Like they're artificially inflating. They're, like, they're, they're putting number, gold on ice yeah, cream. Yeah, number two on things. the list is edible gold, oh, my God. which I think is just gold. Yeah. Um, what about edible platinum? Edible diamond? <laughs> They crush pearls and things. I feel don't like they? edible diamond would kill you, right? Like if a crushed glass kills you, yeah. surely, surely diamond Didn't would. Didn't Cleopatra have like pearls yeah, dissolved in vinegar? The pearls, yeah, I'm yeah, pretty yeah. sure I learned that from an asterisk book, so I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> it must be true. Um, edible gold, uh, fifteen thousand dollars a pound, and apparently completely flavorless. Um, oh. So it's just the knowledge that you're yeah, eating gold yeah, yeah. that flavors the dish. There must be some kind of like nearly extinct animal on there somewhere. Like the last white rhino, that white rhino. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. White rhino steaks. Yeah. Right, um, right no. now he's being aged. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's fed to the prisoner who just pushes it away. <laughs> um, there are a couple of like quite common um, ingredients that are on this list. Like cinnamon or some regular spicy spice? Vanilla. I see oh. vanilla. Not to me. <laughs> <laughs> what? I did. All right, points yeah. for vanilla then. Yes. So vanilla comes from an orchid that only blooms for a couple of hours once a year. Um, wow. And the pods then need to be fermented for two years. Yeah, because there's a New Zealand company that's been trying to grow and develop it here instead of out in the Pacific Islands. Was it Tahiti? They were growing vanilla. Mm. And, and it's really expensive and hard to get. We also uh, balsamic vinegar. Uh, true balsamic vinegar is made from white Tribbiano grapes. So not Pam's. <laughs> <laughs> Pam's finest. We're sitting on a gold mine here. <laughs> um, uh, yep, uh, let's see, what else? We've got Swift Nest, which is an actual bird's nest uh, for swallows from swallows who build these nests in caves in Southeast Asian countries with their own saliva. Uh, the nests dissolve in broth to give it a gelatinous texture. Oh, good. <laughs> takes this is just what we feel like. <laughs> <laughs> it takes up to two months for the bird to build its nest and then, oh, I guess, a few minutes to eat it. Great. <laughs> um, you don't often get to eat architecture. <laughs> oh, you, do a, you do a few of the fraggles. <clears throat> the doozers, yeah. Yeah, good point. Uh, gingerbread house. <laughs> yep. Um, let's see, seven on the list. Matsutake mushroom, uh, found hidden under fallen leaves of the forest, which makes them very hard to find. Oh, yeah. And number ten on the list. Moosehead cheese, 
which is... <laughs> is that like <laughs> moose head cheese? Or is that moose head cheese? Oh, sorry, I misread that. It says moose house cheese. Because <laughs> head, head cheese is revolting. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah the cheese is made from the milk of three moose at the moose house in Sweden. Mix? Oh, it's three specific moose. <laughs> their, na- their names are... <laughs> uh, Gulan, Helga and Juno. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, so this next question is going back over to sausage rolls. What fine dining item are fast food customers not loving in Australia? Well, Dan, I reckon you can chime in here. You've got a fascination for fast food. What, what, what don't you like? No, it's not a, it's not a fascination. Oh, it's okay. a problem. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it? What are they not loving? No, they're not loving it. They're not loving it because they hate McDonald's in Australia. Because of the time Ronald McDonald was real racist about Australia. <laughs> I think Australians are pretty good about being racist about well, Australians, <laughs> to be honest. He did, he did send the Hamburglar there, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is, it, it's to do with a, uh, uh, something they put on the menu there. Yes. Uh, yeah, it, um, it's the Mick Australian. <laughs> Without actually, actual Australian person, it's the, the McAussie, um, which had a, a like a, you know how so all the different McDonald's have like a, they kind of do a localized burger like the Kiwi Burger and and, um, and the McAussie. McAussie, exactly. Yeah. It's called glocalization. Yeah, yeah, Ooh. yeah. So um, glocalization. Yeah. So instead of globalization, where all these things kind of become diffuse, glocalization takes these globalized products and. Relocalizes them so that you keep spending money at these massive global whatevers. It really works. Yeah, <laughs> it really so works on me. In the way that the Kiwi Burger has uh, an egg and a slice of beetroot in it, uh, the Australian equivalent has a dead goanna. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give him a point because that sounds exactly like something they'd do if they could. Is there, is there like a fillet au foie gras? <laughs> that, that's fine dining meets fast food. You're vaguely, you're vaguely in the right area. So, uh, McDonald's in Australia launched a Wagyu beef burger mm. um, oh. on a gourmet bun, um, mm. and customers have described it as dry and tasteless. Oh. <laughs> Did they spell Wagyu with like upside down golden arches? To, to they just didn't. They should have. Real fucking obnoxious. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> real question here is do they have to pay extra for a steamed bun because I'm genuinely interested if uh, McDonald's worldwide are making people pay for steamed buns or is it that us New Zealanders were just too clever to figure it like and figured it out and so they're trying to keep it in house and trying to let it die out by charging us more this sounds fascinating I genuinely have no idea so what, now, what was happening was <laughs> And it was like, you know, this thing that people would like whisper on the wind is that if you go to McDonald's and you, because, you know, they were saying, well, we're not going to pre-make our burgers anymore. Mm. You, you like, they're going to get made when you order them. So mm. people would, were complaining about like certain items, like the bun being stale. So people would say, can I have a steamed bun? Right. <laughs> and they were like, oh, yeah. And so your bun never felt stale. Like, Because it's the filet of fish bun, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. So it's like, it's like a, I mean, it's a different bun. So, so not Run. like bao, which is a steamed bun, just like a shitty stale bun that they put in the steam. 
I guess. <laughs> oh my god, step aside, fucking amateurs. <laughs> Where's Jeff when you need him? Uh, so the uh, the normal ones get f- cooked on like a fry surface, right? Mm. Whereas the fillet, of fi- but because you can contaminate. I am really bored with this. This is one of the next question. Uh, so this is for Glazed and Confused. Yep. How can we hold the atomic bomb responsible for a restaurant revolution? Oh, oh, was, ah, uh, hmm, microwaves. <laughs> yeah! That's what we're going for, microwaves. Oh, microwaves. interesting. We, we did talk about microwaves yeah. uh, previously. Not in this case. Damn. Although not uh, or, a similar or, time. Or could you do that sort of thing? So, so you meant to be able to, like, roast a chicken or something in your car engine. Could you steam a bun in the middle of a giant mushroom? Can, can I steam, a, can <laughs> I steam <laughs> my buns on my car engines now? <laughs> I'd save like 10 cents. What you've got to do is go into your garage and sit on your car. Oh my God. Wow. But we're talking about a restaurant, right? So how restaurant? can we hold the atomic bomb responsible for a restaurant revolution? Oh, d- yeah, so it's not just your buns. Well, we had radium-infused food. Was that Because there was that whole period of people being obsessed with radioactivity and putting it in watches and lotions and on the walls. and Yes, there was a, was it radium water? Radium crazy. Yeah, we talked yeah. about that a few episodes ago. Uh, no, no. Uh, so this is to do with the Manhattan Project. Uh, no? Okay. So physicist, physicist Nicholas Curti, uh, who worked on the Manhattan Project, was a specialist in low-temperature physics. Uh, Ice cream. <laughs> he invented, he invented ice, ice cream, cream. <laughs> in like 1945. Um, uh, he was one of the inventors of molecular gastronomy, uh, which gives us the foams and gels yeah. and weird kind of uh, things that have taken taken the, the world by storm. Yeah. Um, see, uh, also Elizabeth Cordry, a professional chef married to a physicist, is the other person credited with inventing and popularizing molecular gastronomy. Uh, but she didn't invent any bombs. I do have an interesting fact about microwaves, Brendan. Please. Uh, it was invented and utterly by accident one fateful day 70 years ago, according to popularmechanics.com, when a Raytheon engineer named Percy Spencer, who had worked on the Manhattan Project, Ooh. was testing a military-grade magnetron and suddenly realised his snack had melted. And his face had too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sounds like I have to retroactively give you some points for yes. the microwave reference. I love retroactive points. Okay, uh, so that brings us to the end of the nerd quotient round. Uh, a round of applause for both of our teams. <laughs> Karen, can I get an update on the scores? Certainly. Glazed and confused are uh, delicious on nine, whereas we built the city on sausage rolls are uh, superb on ten. Ooh. Oh, sausage rolls, everyone. Woo! Yes. All right, I think it's time for us to get into the, um, yes, the homework round. Uh, So as always, I have assigned all of the nerds some homework to do uh, in in hopes of winning some extra points. So this time, uh, I have asked them to review a fictional meal. So uh, let's see. Um, uh, Glazed and confused, Uh, would you like to go first? Yeah, sure, Uh, I'll kick us off. Okay. so I wrote a review about uh, the chocolate cake that features in Matilda, um, specifically. Um, but before I begin, um, I want you to experience what I experience um, on a different level, and I want to buy your love um, <laughs> by um, presenting our extra credit item, which is a cake. <laughs> oh, okay, wow. 
five points. So this is a um, Fajoa raspberry and ginger cake, and mm. there's enough to share with the audience at half time. <laughs> Every okay. person in the audience. <laughs> Everyone. Oh, and it's, it's also vegan. So we get more points for being on trend. <laughs> okay, okay, wow. Uh, yes, you'll have to get some extra points for that. Oh, it's, I've tried it with gluten-free stuff before and it falls to pieces, so I'm sorry. But the that, vegans hopefully are... That is gluten-free stuff, right? Yeah. Everything falls to pieces. All right, well, on the subject of cakes. Yes. We're talking about the chocolate cake from Matilda. Yes. As I walk into the hall... Across the rickety floorboards, I inhale and observe the, the faint smell of fear and hormones in the air. The grey walls and water damage add to the overall ambiance of the experience. <laughs> As the cake is presented, I am dwarfed. The portion size has been considered. There is no way that anybody could be asking for more. It is daunting in its size. But in its overall appearance and smell... It looks delicious, and it tastes delicious, to the point where you could easily rub it all over your face and still enjoy the experience. <laughs> it has delightful mouthfeel. <laughs> <laughs> it is sumptuous. And as I indulge, it becomes deconstructed. <laughs> the cake is so large, as I put it in my mouth, I can only describe it as toothsome. <laughs> While originally I felt fear, at the end of the chocolate cake I feel great, great pride and reward as I am filled like a chicken with the chocolate cake stuffing. <laughs> Somebody put me in the oven. <laughs> Five stars. <laughs> Emma Custard. Did you did you like search up a bunch of random? I literally like... did, but I do uh, watch a lot of cooking shows. So some of those were uplifted from things Paul Hollywood has said <laughs> this time. Um, all right, thank you very much. And uh, representing, uh, we built the city on sausage rolls. Mm. Uh, Dan Bain. <clears throat> While on the surface, this infinite courses degustation menu seems appealing, it swiftly became irritatingly repetitive and less Mad Hatter's Tea Parte and more Mad Hatter's Tea Passe. <laughs> While there may be p -p 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 plenty in the pot, one cannot help but thinking a wider variety of beverages then mildly mouse-flavoured tea might have been provided. Located between here, there and somewhere, this pop-up dining experience is marred by the continued rearrangement of diners. Although a clean cup is always desirable, is it always necessary to move down, move down, clean cup, clean cup, move down? <laughs> the owner-operator has adopted the most gauche of American chain restaurant experiences with an insistence on singing happy birthday to those who have the misfortune to have it not be their birthday. <laughs> A very unmerry unbirthday to you, sirrah. 
I was, however, given a lovely hat to wear, which has made me slur my speech. <laughs> P.S. Mock turtle soup was confusing. <laughs> P.P.S. The Jabberwock snicker-snacks were frabjous. <laughs> P.P.P.S. Kalukalay. The cabbages were fit for a king. <laughs> Debbie! Two very literary uh, mm. meals. Uh, Karen? I think they're playing to my strengths here. Um, so I love chocolate cake. It is delicious. Uh, so I'm going to give Emma <coughs> three points to Glazed and Confused. Um, but Dan had more puns, which I don't like. Oh, you already pulled the rug under your <laughs> Give with one hand and take away with that one. So Dan had more puns, so fuck him. <laughs> Points. Oh, all right, all right. Um, so that brings us to our next round. Uh, this round is called The Secret Ingredient is People. Now, uh, there are um, many, many uh, stories where that involve people being eaten. Uh, so uh, what I have here is a list of quotes from different uh, stories uh, that involve someone being eaten. Oh. Uh, so I'm going to read out the quote. Uh, you are going to ring in if you can tell me where it is from. Oh, shiver me timbers. Okay, so uh, quote number one. Na 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 na. I made you eat your parents. Na 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 na. I'm gonna take a stab in the dark here. It has a Simpsons feel to me, like holo- like a Halloween. It is special. animated. It's animated. Okay. Maybe try the voice. I can't do the voice. Okay. <laughs> do you want to do the voice? I can't do the voice. Can either. you try though? Nya, 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 South Park. Yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> and a point yeah. to me for the voice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next one. <laughs> Karen gets some points for that commitment. Yeah. yeah. She gave herself one yeah, already. Yeah, don't so worry about it. Good, good, How many good. times do I have to tell you? If you give yourself a point, you're automatically in last place. Oh. <laughs> okay. I give myself 20 points. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Next quote. Why, there they are both, baked in that pie, whereof their mother daintily <laughs> hath fed. Uh, tis true, tis true. See how daintily she hath fed upon them. It's uh, Titus Andronicus. It is Titus Andronicus, yes. <laughs> it'd have been really embarrassing if I had done that, to be fair. Um, yeah, well, there was that time Andrew didn't get a quote from his own movie. <laughs> um, Yes, uh, so you, you recently directed uh, a version of Titus Andronicus, I didn't did, you? yes, yes, and I really lent into the cookery at the end. Uh, <laughs> uh, my, my did have a kind of a MasterChef feel right at the yeah, end. Yeah, 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 and, and I, like I really, uh, I was really excited about the, I've seen versions of it where the pie at the end is really restrained. It's like a pie that you'd No one could have called your play restrained, no. Dan. <laughs> <laughs> No, but yeah, I wanted a, a like a pie that you could get all of. You could two get two people, people in. Yeah. You, you wanted yeah, yeah, a yeah. comedy pie. I wanted a comedy pie. Yeah. It was it's, a Game of Thrones pie. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It's um, a pity there wasn't then like pie in the face. <laughs> my outing. Yeah, that I know. Well, there was face in the pie. There was. <laughs> <laughs> two faces. 
All right. Uh, fee fi fo fum. I smell the blood of an Englishman. Jack in the beans. Correct. Yeah. Okay. I ate his liver with some fava beans. <laughs> That's um, Hannibal Lecter in Science of the Land. Correct. And, and a glass of Chianti, has that it? Correct. Yeah. A nice glass of Chianti, uh, glass of Chianti. I've got, and a fine Chianti. Uh, fine Chianti. Uh, uh, a thousand people in an iron box. No food, no water. After a month, we ate the week. You know what I hate about myself? I know what people taste like. Oh, oh. We're on the same team! <laughs> you do it. Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer is correct. It also yes. sounds like uh, teacher practice. Yeah. That's true. Man. This elegant little biped has long been valued as a delicacy. It forms a traditional part of the autumn feast and is served between the fish and the joint. This is from a uh, children's, children's book series. Book. Sounding yeah. s- is, it's, oh my is gosh. it like a Roald Dahl BFG type thing? Uh, it's not Roald Dahl. It's from The Silver Chair from oh, the Chronicles of Narnia. That book's oh. fucking horrifying. <laughs> 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 yes, it's from the, the Giant's Cookbook in The Silver Chair. Oh. All right. It's Fop, finest in the shop. Uh-oh. Um, it's from... Um, uh, 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 Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd is correct, yes. Uh, well, we have shepherd's pie peppered with actual shepherd on top. Um, <laughs> try, 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 try a little priest. Is the yes, have a little yeah, priest, yes. Have a little priest, yeah. um, okay, the next one. Uh, they're making food out of people. Is that soylent grain? <laughs> correct. <laughs> uh, and the last one. You mean this? It's a harmless cookbook. It's just a little dusty. I like the, sorry, I'm just focusing on the fact that my bell's still, still ringing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Emma, Why? you were close. Oh, 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 Simpsons? Is it The Simpsons? Yes, it's from a Treehouse of Horror episode. Treehouse of Horror. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You really yeah. got that yeah. one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> well done. Thank you. Uh, all right, that brings us to the end of the secret ingredient is people. Yay! Give them a round of applause. All right, uh, we're going to do uh, one more quick round and then we'll get an update on the scores and then take a break. Now, this round is called Delicious or Disgusting? <laughs> now, <laughs> this is a very specific round. I have a list of ingredients provided by my moderator, Karen. Some are delicious, some are disgusting. <laughs> I is will, this I will according list. According to who? I, yeah. I will list the item. And then you'll tell me whether it's delicious or disgusting, and then Karen will tell you whether you are correct or not. <laughs> right. So I'm told this is very scientific. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, Marmite. Disgusting. Dis- oh, do we ding? No, disgusting. Yeah, you, you got a ding. Yeah, you got a ding. Disgusting. So disgusting. It is, it's foul. Yeah. Okay, correct. What, what about different types of marmite, like English marmite versus? I will have I will have none of them. English marmite's worse. That's a runny marmite. This one runny have, marmite. Runny marmite. Here they call our mate because they're not allowed to brand it properly. <laughs> <laughs> Number two. Is this like Natino? Hmm. Number two. Olives. Delicious. Who wouldn't like them? You don't like them. Do Me. Is the twist that you don't like any of these? Karen? No, I like some of them. Olives are salty horror. They're just, ugh. No last meal for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go for the chicken fried steak. Right, next, fugu. Oh, 
I, I, I'm going to say delicious and that you tried it while you were overseas. I did try it while I was overseas and it is delicious and I did watch other people in the room eat it first. <laughs> it is good. All right. Uh, did you have any whale while you were in Japan? No. They are, you know, I got tricked into eating dolphin though. There was like, like everyone was like, try this thing. Try, I mean, everyone was very hospitable, especially when we went out drinking. And they'd be like, try this thing, try this thing. And then I, I ate it and I was like... That's nice. And they're like, that's dolphin. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, didn't, didn't you? <laughs> I, well, so I, um, in, so when, when we were, I was teaching in a Japanese school and they have these set lunch menus. Mm. And um, uh, another one of the English teachers sent an email round because the menu comes out in Japanese and some of the things are quite hard to read and said, just, just so everyone knows, uh, tomorrow's lunch is, has whale in it. And uh, if, you, if you don't want to eat it, you just need to tell them ahead of time so they don't. And so I was like, okay, uh, I wouldn't like, I don't, cancel my lunch for tomorrow. And then they, they brought it out, and I was like, that looks really similar to something that I ate last year. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so, um, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe I ate some whale. Uh, next on the list, coriander. Oh, you know, delicious. I was going to say delicious too because Damn. I love olives. All right, you're both on the hook coriander. for this. You're both on the hook for this and you're both correct that coriander oh, yeah. is yummy. Oh, interesting. All right, mm. next up, pineapple. Oh, you are totally fucking anti-pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Doesn't belong on pizzas, doesn't belong on anything. Are we just are we just playing how well do you know Karen? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel the teams about, are even here. What about pineapple lumps? Oh, I love pineapple lumps. Yeah. That's true. Brendan, I don't think we can play this anymore. Karen doesn't like pineapple, but she likes pineapple lumps. I mean, this, whole, this is getting to a bit of a point here, you know. You make, you make a good point. We'll, we'll, Take we'll, it up with management. We've we'll, we'll, we'll got three more. Let's just let's okay, just okay, through okay. this. And we'll all know Karen better by the end of it. Right. Asparagus. I really like asparagus and you seem to have very different taste to me, so I think you think it's disgusting. I love asparagus. Oh. You don't know me at all. No, but she hates asparagus lumps. Mix <laughs> <laughs> uh, up, octopus. Disgusting. Actually not disgusting, oh. but you get the point anyway because I have decided octopus are too smart to eat. But a dolphin and whale too smart? <laughs> I didn't eat them on purpose. <laughs> Points for the audience. Don't get you know now what happens losing. if you give them points. <laughs> give the them only way points. to win is to not play the game. <laughs> <laughs> I like to teach my kids that. <laughs> Surprisingly, that's why Ben didn't come today. <laughs> he finally he finally worked it out. Uh, finally, kidneys. Oh, they're, they're just disgusting. I can't Laura is go. correct. They're, just, they're awful. Kidneys are gross. Kidney lumps. Um, all right. <laughs> With Marmite dip. <laughs> that brings us to the end of delicious or disgusting. Uh, I think we've all learned a lot from that. So... <laughs> Uh, Karen, can we please have an update on the scores? Certainly. We built this city on sausage rolls are on 16 points. I am on 20 points. <laughs> <laughs> and Glazed and Confused are on 28. Ooh. Glazed and Confused, everyone! <laughs> All right, uh, well, it's time for us to move on to round four. This is Name That Dish. So uh, we're talking about dishes that were inspired by or named for 
particular people. Mm -hmm. uh, so I will name a dish. If you can tell me who it was named for or anything about them, then mm -hmm. you will get points. Let's start with the margarita pizza. Okay, we'll go. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just some sassy Italian lady called Margarita. There's what? also a margarita, a woman named Margarita on season 15 of uh, Project Runway, which and I'm watching at the moment. And it also, always makes me think of pizza. There's also a song called Margaritaville. Is it? Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Different margarita. But, but margarita with an H in it. Yeah? Yes. Was it named for a chef at a restaurant called Margarita? It was It was not. Actually, you were, uh, Emma was closer with hey. a, a sassy Italian lady. LAUGHTER <laughs> uh, it was, it was named for the visiting Queen Margarita in 1899, um, and it has the colours of the Italian flag. Oh. What, what, who was she the queen of? What was she the queen of? I pizza. think she was the queen of... <laughs> the queen, queen of pizza. The queen of pizza. I, she was the queen of Italy, I think. She queen, was the queen of Spain? Spain? Oh, the yeah, audience I mean, you've knows. got a computer in front of you, Karen. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, and you also thing. did the research. I know. <laughs> <laughs> audience gets another point. <laughs> We're not even going to check. Fine. No. We're not even going to check. That's no. how seriously we take this. Yeah. Nachos. Sassy Italian lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre, but yes, no. From Spain. <laughs> A sassy Italian Mexico. lady from Spain. Spanish it was named speaking after Mexico. Mexico. <laughs> uh, it was first created in 1943 by Mexican Ignacio Nacho Anaya. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure I haven't pronounced that right. The maitre d' of a Mexican hotel who basically served up fried tortillas and melted cheese to American servicemen who arrived after the hotel restaurant was closed. Is that one of those things where they turned up and they went, oh, fuck. There's nothing left except for stale shit and stale shit. But if we combine stale shit and stale shit and put yeah. it in the oven and make it crispy and greasy, those stupid American pricks won't know the difference. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's, I think that's, that's exactly it, Yes. Uh, next up, the Peach Melba. Mm. That was, um, what's her handle, Nelly? She was an, an opera singer. Australian. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Teach. Uh, Australian mm. opera singer, mm. Dame Nelly Melba. And it's mm. got peaches in it. <laughs> and raspberry. And what peaches, were peaches named after? Peaches and raspberry. Um, I don't know, but there's millions of them. <laughs> <laughs> For me? <laughs> Beef Wellington. Duke of Wellington. Correct. Um, uh, it's, it's a dish very similar to a French dish, dish so it's possibly possible that it was rebranded during the Napoleonic War Ooh, in, the, in the way that French mm. fries became freedom fries. The Luther Burger. Was that Martin Luther King Jr. or was that like... Was that it's a like, Protestant Luther, right? Is, is it like a, a Lutheran no, Luther, <laughs> what, what would that look like? <laughs> this is a hamburger with uh, glazed donuts in place of the bun. Luther Vandross. Correct. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, was, oh no, honestly, that was the only other Luther. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, allegedly it was the favourite uh, meal of uh, singer, songwriter, record producer Luther Vandross. Oh, slow uh, grooves with your with your donut thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, A lot of them get sold in county fairs. Huh. Like it's it's like fair food now. Mm. Mm. Boysenberries. It's not really a dish, but... Uh, it's named after boys. 
<laughs> just, just generally boys. Yeah. There, there used to be girls in Mary's, but they fell out of favour because of, <laughs> Cause of misogyny. Yeah, because of misogyny. Uh, so boysenberries were named after Rudolf Boysen, uh, botanist and Anaheim Park superintendent. Uh, he, so he developed a cross between a loganberry, raspberry, and a blackberry. Um, the berry was sub- sub- subsequently grown, named, and marketed in the 1930s by Walter Knott of Knott's Berry Farm. Of Knott's Berry Farm. Aww. Yes, correct. Uh, does anyone know any other dishes that were named after people? Pavlova. Pavlova, right. Yep. yep. The Big Mac was named after a guy called <laughs> <laughs> A really big guy. Yeah, a really big guy called it, was, it was named after, you know, the Scottish play. Mm. Right? Yeah. 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 It's very serious, yeah, obviously. Yeah. The Revenge Burger. <laughs> All right, that brings us to the end of Name That Dish. Uh, could we have an update on the scores, Karen? Certainly. Glazed and Confused have won 33 points. Oh. And we built the city on savage, on sausage, sausage, savage savage rolls. Savage rolls. They're on 17. Which we're very proud of. Thank you very much. Okay, our round of applause for Glazy Confused. (laughs) Next round is that classic round, Bad for Your Elf. Now, this is a name that. Takes too long to explain, so we'll just explain <laughs> the. Who's ga- it named after? <laughs> well, it's, it's named after elves oh. from Lord of the Rings. Oh, oh. Um, but we're not talking about elves this time. Uh, we are talking about the food of the world of Harry Potter. Uh, so let's see. Oh, um, glazed and confused. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a list here. These are. Um, Sweets uh, from the world of Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are going to uh, either read something off that list or make up a fake one. Okay. Uh, savage rolls, as you are now called. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you will. It. You'll have to declare whether they are real or <laughs> fake. So, to give you uh, some examples of the kinds of things that they would eat in Harry Potter, so cockroach clusters, uh, peppermint toads. Uh, Drupal's best blowing gum, uh, all examples of things from the Harry Potter books. So if you'd like to give us something either from the list or made up. Okay. Uh, candy rat lollipops. No. That's a fake. Straight, a off fake. The, straight off the thing. That is a fake. What? No, no, oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. Doesn't matter that it's on the list. Brendan said it's a fake. <laughs> We said it very confidently. <laughs> you get a point for brass. Even I, even I was. Um, yeah, no, that, those 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 are real. Yes, they're, they're real. really they're real. real. They're they're really fictional. Yeah. <laughs> they sell them. Um, but yeah, who, like, the, how, what, who wants that? Who Where's wants the market? to eat that? <laughs> who does eat that? In the books, who eats a rat lollipop? But you, you can get, sh- you know, sugar mice. Did you never have, like, sugar mice at Christmas when you were little? Yeah, but they don't have mice in them. I bet these <laughs> yeah. mice have, like, <laughs> have a rat sure inside it. I'm, I'm pretty sure they are candy rats, not candy uh, rat. Oh, did you not say, we heard candied rat Understood. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it's totally our fault that you got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan said we got it right. 
Let's just move on. Let's just move on. Wait, okay. are, they, are they candy rats or are they candied rats? Because they said candied. <gasps> no, I, I said candy rats. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I don't, want, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Go on to okay, another okay, one. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, bing bong ginger snaps. <laughs> well, uh, here's my answer. I think that is... <laughs> I feel Half like Savage Rolls has really like yeah, we're just up to the name now. now. <laughs> <laughs> you're like um, you're becoming like the villain on all of those cooking shows. But <laughs> <laughs> just like but you're, but not, like Dan. you're not like a born villain; they're a made villain. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I know. Dan, did Amazing. you come here to make friends? He <laughs> <laughs> came out of wisdom. I'm going to need an answer. Uh, what was the question? <laughs> bon, what was it? Bon? Bing bong something or others. Bing bong ginger snaps. Is that what you said before? That's exactly yeah. what I said before. Is it? Exactly. <laughs> I'm crying. I don't know. <laughs> no, those aren't real. They're real. They're real. They're real. <laughs> next. Okay, next. Froggy frou-frous. I reckon there's other frog-related candies, like that jumpy chocolate chocolate frogs. Oh, the chocolate frogs, yeah. So, like, so I reckon why they have be, another they frog They can be, like, competing. Competing. What if they're the home brand version? <laughs> <laughs> Pam's finest. <laughs> chocolate frog frou-frous. I've got a lot of time for Pam's finest. <laughs> Side note, but... I'm really pleased that we're mentioning them today. <laughs> Great brand, guys. I, I'm, I'm going to go with a, that. No, that's not one. That's correct. I made it up. Yeah. That was made up. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it's Megan. Um, fainting fancies. Yep, that's one. Yeah, it's Rhypno. It's <laughs> <laughs> the Harry Potter equivalent of it. Look, there's a... That, that, Harry Potter in the night he could never remember. <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna really affect my reread of the like book. I feel like Savage Rolls need like a little zinger now. Like when they make, say something Savage, it needs to be like Savage Rolls. <laughs> I think uh, we need like a rap song that goes. Oh like yeah, I don't know that I can do that. I know. Stop, so drop and roll. Yeah. Okay, uh, so yes, fainting fancies uh, is a is a real thing. Uh, oh yeah, well in a that real case, rape we drug in Harry Potter. Or? Well, it's a real. <laughs> It's a, it's a real thing in Harry Potter, yes. Yeah. Mm. Uh, all right, next one. Nosebleed nougat. Yeah, that's real. Is that how you pronounce that word? What? <laughs> I've honestly said uh, nougat my entire yeah. life. Yeah, oh, well, interesting. Nougat. Yeah, but I assume Erin is correct because she knows what she's nougat. talking about. Right, oh, oh it's because it's going to go like Do you not listen nougat. to Morrow ads where they describe the, yeah, <laughs> what, the, what the chocolate bar's made up of? Sorry, did you, did you have an answer for that? Or was you uh, yeah, I think it's real. Well, yes. I think it's really in Harry Potter. Yeah, it's really in Harry Potter, yes. Uh, let's have two more. Okay. Oh, no. You know poo. <laughs> <laughs> she looks so happy with herself. <laughs> as a candy, yeah. as, a, as a sweet treat yeah. that you would... You know poo. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> she continues to look really pleased with herself. No. No, it's not a thing. And if it is a thing, it shouldn't be a thing. JK Rowling has a lot to answer for. It's a real thing. <laughs> so this is these are these are like the Weasley's wizarding wheezes. The 
um, oh, like the, the, sky, like the, the canary creams snack or whatever they are that mm. make you, yeah, okay. Yeah, the sky oh, the ten, snack box. ten foot tongue toffee thingy, what's it? It's also yeah, on the list, yeah, they're not going to. Yeah, very yeah. good. Um, okay, give us one more. Face exploders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'm not going with that one. I think that's not. What do you think? Well, I mean, we've consistently seen almost that none of them are real. <laughs> no. oh, yeah. yeah, but... Well, I think we seen one of them was real. Um, we've consistently got most of them wrong as that's well. That's also true. Um, but it's like when you put B for every answer on a multiple choice, so, But right? I think that it's like we should keep going with that strategy. We've invested so much in yeah, it. Exactly. It's, it's uh, the gambler's fallacy. Yeah. It's false. <laughs> It is, it is false. Thanks. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Finally paid off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, that, so that brings us to the end of the Bad Fear Off round. We also had exploding bonbons. Bonbons? Bonbons. Uh, fake. Fizzing whizbies. Fake. Fudge flies. Fake. Okay, just take off points for all of these. <laughs> uh, we'll be behind the audience if you keep doing that. <laughs> Fever fudge, puking pastil pastils, blood pops. For vampires. Oh, there you go. Um, all right. Uh, it is time for homework round part two. Uh, so this time, uh, could we start with Laura? Do you want some explanation about what I'm going to read? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. So I, <laughs> I'm reading something quite specific. Um, I, as a child, was given by an American aunt a book called Moss Flower and a brother was given a book called Red Bull and we became very obsessed with these series. As was I. As, yeah, and as now is my eight-year-old daughter. So we've revisited them recently. Uh, it's a series by a man called Brian Jakes about um, like this society of small creatures, um, hedgehogs and mice and um, and badgers and hares and moles, and they're the good guys, and they have an ongoing battle with foxes and weasels and stoats vermin. and wildcats, the vermin. Um, and they're kind of weirdly humanoid in some ways and weirdly animal in other ways. Um, they also live in an abbey and some castles and a volcano and underground. And um, But my, my residual memory of them is the food, and Brendan and I have spent quite a number of morning teas at work Talking about the food. Um, yeah, I mean, the, just, it seemed like whole chapters of just them eating. Pages yeah, and yeah. pages of description of food. And it, actually, it's only been recently that I was like, uh, I realised there was no, one, no meat in it. And then two, I was like, well, where do they, where do they get dairy from? <laughs> <laughs> because they do a lot of baking, but all the animals are sentient. So it's like, um, you know, cooking with breast milk, which seems weird also. <laughs> um, <clears throat> anyway, so I decided to review a meal from... The Red Bull series. Aswan's first impression is always based on the restaurant design and decor. Brock Hall in Mossflower Woods is at a distinct disadvantage. One can hardly comment on the decor when the establishment is run like the musky dens of rodents. And when it is the musky den of rodents, one can merely be relieved that the wildcats and weasels haven't yet arrived. Given the rustic nature of these premises, this reviewer had low expectations for the food. These were unfounded, as clearly these small creatures have access to resources beyond what could be plausibly expected, and a refined palate that sits at odds with what might generally consider one might generally consider typical for vermin. An amuse-bouche of candied chestnuts paired with the, with the light, delicate taste of dandelion and burdock cordial was accompanied by tales of exploits and daring do, which more than amply made up for the bloodlessness of the food. Main courses of deeper and ever turnip and tater 
beetroot pie with optional tomato chutney and hot root soup provided some welcome character and distinct flavours. And while the soup was scaldingly hot, both in temperature and taste, my fellow diners gulped it down. The cheeses, which given the either vegan or highly exploitative nature of these creatures, was unsurpassed, in particular the dandelion acorn and celery cheese. To end the meal, um, mulled nettle spiced ale was enjoyed um, well beside a fire, which rounded off the experience. As the small creatures warmed up, so did the smell of the claustrophobic space. Full and odiferous, this reviewer crawled back home. <laughs> oh. Laura Burrow Nostalgia. It really took me back. Oh my god! And you know, kind of fossick around at the park looking for acorns to kind of nibble on, and Mum would go, "No, it's poison." I, I was, I was, I was looking through lists. Celery appeared in so many. Celery and dandelion were strangely common. Um, celery is also on the disgusting list. <laughs> Agreed. Um, okay, uh, thank you very much. And Erin. Hello, I have a pet peeve, and that pet peeve is uh, our local newspaper, the Christchurch Press. <laughs> <laughs> no, not End entirely. of sentence. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we, we have some very good journalists and writers uh, across the media in New Zealand. I don't want to be one of those people who just goes, nah, it sucks, it sucks. Uh, but there's one thing that really fucking sucks about the Christchurch Press. <laughs> just that one thing. Is, that is the um, restaurant and cafe reviews. So there's... there's, there's <laughs> I, I want to say there's one reviewer um, who obviously does a lot and writes really well and has a good understanding of food and contextualises what he's eating and so on. But he only does half the reviews. And the other half the reviews, I'm pretty sure, uh, worked out amongst the rest of the staff using... Um, I don't know, rock, paper, scissors to see who gets to... <laughs> see who gets to go and have a meal on the company dime. And for... Reviews that are written by people who write for a living, they are just atrocious. They're so bad. They are riddled with cliches, redundant phrases, just... I, I've even given some to um, some colleagues. So at the university where I work, we've recently started a master's in writing, and part of it is... Um, professional writing and editing and so on. And these reviews are used as examples of how not to write. <laughs> so what I've done is I have written a review, um, and you'll work out what it is in a minute, in the style of a review from the Christchurch Press. And what I've also done is cut and paste lots of uh, phrases, including some of the recurring phrases from actual reviews. From, <laughs> so, so you can figure out uh, which of these uh, as we go. That was quite a long preamble, sorry. Hot local hospitality kingpins Spielberg and Lucas have recently had hits with hot local favourites The Ark and The Crusade. Now they have opened a hot new eatery, drinkery, <laughs> gorgery and burpery venture, The Temple, and it's generating good buzz. Expectations are high for this hot hive of activity, which also has a nice low hum of vibrant chatter and hot cafe clatter. <laughs> The indoor dining room, as expected, is indoors. <laughs> we sit on the floor, authentically. The dancing girls are a nice touch, although we question the need for so many scimitars. It's a little 2014. All up the eatery has a refreshingly on-trend Indian vibe, which might also be an Arabian vibe. <laughs> Either way, it's on point. <laughs> We get the only wine on the exhaustive wine list, the house red, $9 a goblet, which is local, and it is perfectly drinkable, but also punchy and unique. <laughs> the set menu is refreshingly eclectic and quirky. 
We hungrily eye up the options of which there are none. <laughs> As a starter, we are given the Snake Surprise, $27.50, which is a sharing plate for two, and it is designed for two people who will share the plate. <laughs> Honestly, they're written like this, it's so bad. Um, it has a wonderfully snaky vibe. <laughs> The wriggly eels inside are a little brand bland, but it's good value for money and definitely a surprise. <laughs> Unfortunately, a heavy-handed use of the turmeric is the letdown, although it tasted very authentic. <laughs> for the main, my significant other chooses the Crunchy Coleoptera, $25. You get four oversized crunchy beetles and some delectable dipping sauce, and while it's a major fail, it also stacks up well against other on-trend beetle dishes offered at other authentic on-trend eateries, so it's a win for him. It's also gluten-free. <laughs> <laughs> I break with tradition and go for the house special. Soup of the head, $24. <gasps> it was a cut above other eyeball soups I devoured elsewhere due to the perfect blend of fragrant Moroccan spices taking them into a league of their own and giving everything a Southeast Asian vibe. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, the heavy-handed use of soup let the food down, <laughs> although it tasted very authentic. <laughs> to finish, we can't go past the temple's signature dessert, Primate Parfait of Chilled Brains, $15. It's executive and glossy with a rustic vibe, and the monkey heads are a nice touch. It tastes like something you'd get in Melbourne. Please tell me that's directly oh, taken. My God. <laughs> Unfortunately, a heavy-handed use of the authentic let the food down, although it tasted very monkey. <laughs> <laughs> Often the aim of these eateries is to feed people, and this was achieved here. <laughs> As we went to pay, we were surprised to find that we'd been shoulder-tapped to take part in the night's entertainment, which was a human sacrifice. <laughs> While there were a few signs of opening week rustiness, it felt very authentic. Five stars. <laughs> Aaron Harrington! Uh, what? How do, I, how do I score this? Well, okay, so Aaron... That was brilliant, and you're brilliant. Um, but since you admitted to plagiarism, oh. Oh. it's pastiche. It it's, was worth it. It's pastiche. It was. It was. She did, did cite her sources. Um, I, I thought it had a very authentic. It was on point, Erin. On point. The vibey, the vibey trend on pointness of that review was great. You get five points. However, I want to eat absolutely everything that Laura uh, wrote about. It was, God, oh, Red Wall. Red Wall's food, amazing. You get 10 points, Laura. Dan's about to lose them for me, I'm sure. <laughs> Except all of the dishes will be, like, this, this big, right? Well, you know, fine dining. And covered in mice. <laughs> like, that's the one thing here. You just can't, like, mice. Mice. Um, Okay, uh, so uh, that brings us to the final round. And the final round is the debate round. Oh, no. In fact, <laughs> we'll be asking our teams who will win. So I will assign each of the teams a chef. They will argue why that chef is the better of the two chefs. Then the audience will, by applause, decide who made the strongest case. Mm -hmm. So, uh, glazed and confused, yep. you are in the lead. Mm -hmm. So I will give you Hannibal Lecter. Oh, <laughs> very good. To right. argue. 
Savage Rolls. You we're, uh, we're actually changing it to uh, Le Rolls Sauvage now. <laughs> Le Rolls Sauvage. A, just to get a French authentic kind of feel. A vibey on trendness. Yeah. Well, French might not be quite right because your chef will be the Swedish chef. <laughs> so here's how we'll work. I'll give uh, each team uh, about a minute to make the case for your chef. Then there'll be a round of rebuttal and then closing statements. Right. So, speaking for Hannibal Lecter, glazed and confused. We're really happy to be representing um, Hannibal Lecter, who I think we can say is the single finest television mm. and film and literary chef yes. of all time. Yes, you. I mean, they always say you should never trust a, a slim baker, right? And I think a man like that has such a refined palate and he is so articulate in the way that he's able to express what he puts into his mouth. You know it's going to be good. And the great thing is, is that he likes to serve up other people's refined palates. That is so <laughs> right. amazing. Here, here is a man who is utterly, um, he's perfectly educated. Yes. He's a gentleman. He will give you a fine dining experience like no other. There's no mess. He cleans up. Up any uh, bolts yeah. afterwards, so you never have to worry about any kind of messy cleanup. Mm. And he thinks about complementary uh, flavours and items. He does. He pairs things together beautifully, mm. and often he'll take his his subjects mm. and he'll pair them with uh, fruits and vegetables and other foods that reflect their deepest, darkest desires. It's it's a um, it's a dining experience like absolutely no other. Mm. All right. Thank you very much, Glazed and Confused. Now speaking for the Swedish chef, it is. Whatever that team is. <laughs> um, the Swedish chef is a chef for the common man. I mean, he's not refined by any stretch of the imagination. But the Swedish chef, in each dish he creates, demonstrates the struggle of man versus the environment. <laughs> Uh, just uh, each each moment of culinary creation, a metaphor for man's struggle in the world. Laura, your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> well, I obviously empathise with him because he cooks much like I do. Um, uh, but also, he does speak directly to the common man, doesn't he? He mm. is he is addressing us as the audience, including us in his experience, not by eating us, but by uh, by welcoming us to join in, and with by him. teaching us, by teaching by, us, by inspiring by us, a, a deep seated desire to share his knowledge. Um, there's no separation. There's no artifice. It's just a man his pot full of lobsters that are escaping. A chicken. A chicken <laughs> a, a, and a sentient piece of pizza dough <laughs> trying to tell us the best way to prepare them. And, and what is more beautiful than that? Mm. 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 Moving, moving <laughs> words. I thought so. Glazed in, glazed in uh, well, to start off with, uh, the Swedish chef is a Muppet, not a man. He's a piece of fabric with a hand up him, and yes. I don't think that's very good for kitchen hygiene. Yes. The second thing is that <laughs> Swedish chef has no knowledge. That is the point of his TV show, is it's chaotic. Why have disgusting chaos with meatballs talking back at you and exploding mm. all over the walls when you can have fine dining where you shut the meatballs the fuck up because you killed them yourself? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I have nothing to add. <laughs> strong, strong <laughs> argument. A strong argument. But if I had to have any man's hand inside me, that man would be Jim Henson. 
a genius among men, and um, I'm sure he would be very gentle. I know he would be very gentle because we see his hands. His hands are part of the very puppeteering and, of it. And let's not pretend Hannibal doesn't have hands inside him. They just he's go in fuck, differently. He's gone right? <laughs> <laughs> Just a forward entry, rather. <laughs> anyway. It's... You do realise that Jim Henson is dead. Yes. Also, he wasn't So is everybody, Hannibal Swedish... H. The hand was, the... was um, the operational hand of Swedish Chef was not actually Jim Henson's. Thank well, you. So the do. other team are making my points for me. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's right. With, with the Swedish Chef, you don't just get the Swedish Chef, right? You get him <laughs> and the various hands. Up him. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, those are those are some powerful words that I think we're all going to want to reflect on for a long time. Um, Want to might be too strong, Brendan. Let's uh, let's hear uh, closing statements from each team. You know, we want a fine dining experience. So why have bork 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 when you can have? Thank you. Ear shishkamir. All right, a very close run competition between Two great men who have other men inside them. <laughs> so, uh, audience, uh, I now put it over to you. By applause, uh, which is your chef of choice? Is it Hannibal Lecter? Is it Swedish Chef? All right, taking that into account, Karen is now going to add up the scores. Maths. Now, <laughs> the Nerd Degree will be returning uh, Wednesday, June 6th uh, with our very next episode. Uh, you can, of course, hear our podcast recordings of these episodes if you go to nerddegree.com or iTunes or Stitcher or anything else that has podcasts. Uh, Karen. Alrighty. Thank you for stalling, Brendan. Um, glazed and confused, uh, tore up the competition with 40 points. Oh, okay. But in a masterly display of Muppetness, Dan pulled it out for whatever your team is now called with 41 points. Oh. 41 points! We built the city on sausage rolls! All right. I pulled it out. <laughs> that brings us to the end of the show. I'd like to say a big thank you to Orange Studios for hosting us, uh, to Roll Music for our theme music, uh, to our nerds, uh, Dan Bain, Laura Borrowdale, uh, Emma Cousin, and Erin Harrington, to my amazing moderator, Karen Healy. Um, thank you very much for coming along, and good night! Woo! Woo!